0: Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and today I'm joined with Dave Hollis, who is an author, entrepreneur, podcaster, and former Disney executive, so stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone, to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondick, and thanks for spending a few minutes to hang today on the Guys Like Us podcast. If you're a long-time listener, thanks for your continued support. If you're new to the show, welcome aboard. Um, great conversation and time to join with Dave Hollis today. Um, we discuss a little bit about his background and how he uh, yeah, is in the place he's in today, launching the book, um, Built Through Courage. We discuss kind of the range of emotions, the, 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 the range of struggle and pain that led to kind of the genesis of, um, of this book, but also to a new season and a time of change in his life as well, um, rethinking a lot of big moments in life and uh, re identifying calling and purpose in the midst. So, we talk a little bit about journaling, the power of journaling, and gratitude. Um, and really, how our mindset can can change um, a lot, a lot, a lot about us, and how we view um, what's in front of us. It can change, not what's in front of us, can, but it can really change our sight and how we see it. Um, so I, I hope and I pray that this may be a, an encouraging episode um, where you're able to identify hope in your life, where you've been in a place of pain or suffering, um, or just maybe confusion and perhaps fear and um like like dave and learning to get to the other side to to wrestle with uh, as well and so without further ado here is my conversation with dave hollis without further ado thanks so much for for joining me and the guys like us here
1: oh thanks for having me tyler it's such a pleasure to be here
0: certainly certainly um, and so we're we're, uh, we're it's August right now, and we're uh, we were just talking before, you know, getting a little sunburn, enjoying the last, uh, or perhaps you know, or just getting some color, enjoying enjoying the, the last bit of of uh, of summer here. But you know, for you, it's a kind of the end of a season and into a new season with the book launch as well. Um, and so, first of all, congrats on uh, on the new book, Built Through Courage. How has the journey been? And um, yeah, just kind of. W- What are you i guess most looking forward or hoping that that readers can uh can gain from this book
1: right on well i'm so excited to now be what like 85 or so days away from the book coming out i've just started a challenge in my community for 13 weeks worth of conversation around some of the different topics that um, are necessary for us to pursue our purpose um, the, the subtitle of the book is Leaving Your Safe Harbor for a Purpose-Filled Life, and mm-hmm. the idea mm-hmm. of trying to, the best that we can, acknowledge that each of us was created with a very specific purpose in mind, that there was mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. deliberate, deliberate intention when God created us to be ourselves, that our individual wiring and the way that we think and the way that we feel and the way that we love all of that was given to us for a very specific reason mm-hmm. and that all the experiences that we've been through, the way that we, just the way that we are was, mm-hmm. was deliberate. There was intention. And the book is really an attempt to try and help people get mm-hmm. a step closer every day to honoring the intention of the creator in, mm-hmm. in, in, in the way that we might maximize our potential and the way that we might push aside our fear and the way that we might use the gifts that were given to us with the purpose of being gifted to other people have the kind of impact that we were put on this planet to have. And so, Mm -hmm. um, so often, I think we find ourselves becoming okay with being okay, becoming comfortable with some of the suffering that we're familiar with, Mm -hmm. rather than pushing into new spaces or unknown spaces for the possibility of fulfilling that purpose mm-hmm. and the hope mm-hmm. with the book is that it gives people uh, a, a nudge permission, the belief mm-hmm. in self or it might be to, um, to really heed the call and mm-hmm. honor the intention of a creator who put you here for extraordinary things. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's, that's fantastic. And I, I kind of want to start actually kind of with the readers and then we'll kind of rewind back toward a little bit your story and how that kind of, that unique kind of creation for, kind of has penned the, the the book itself. But looking kind of in the book now, and one of the things I noticed was, um, I think your intention and, and emphasis on journaling. And so can you talk a little bit about, I think I've spoken to several folks on the podcast in the past and really believe in the value of journaling. I kind of as a, I think from what I've gained is really a reflective practice where you can take that time to understand a little bit more about yourself um, and a little bit more about um connection with kind of what you were called to do as well, but can you explain a little bit on kind of the, the focus of journaling and what that has, what you're hoping from that?
1: Yeah, it's interesting because I never thought myself a journaler as much as I do consider myself an author and mm-hmm. have been so grateful for writing as a cathartic therapeutic practice. Um, journaling in and of itself just wasn't necessarily a thing. Mm-hmm. And in the book, I talk about there are times when you decide to leave something that you are familiar with. And there are times when you are uh, gifted with, even though you might not see it as a gift, the decision to shove you off into the open, choppy waters where you're going to grow into who you're meant to be. I had the assignment to write this book before Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. news that my marriage was ending was delivered to me. And so the Mm -hmm. beauty of Being able to write a book in the midst of processing what I've described as both my hardest and best year ever was truly, it was a gift Uh, because the ability to put down on paper the things that you are feeling, Mm -hmm. whether it's in the process of writing a book or in the process of journaling, Mm -hmm. allows some of what exists at your subconscious level to come into your consciousness so that you can actually do something with the things that you're feeling or the things that you're thinking. Um when I mm-hmm. when I started 2020, I actually at the end of 19 had this like very bold declaration, "Hey, I'm going to have the best year of my life." Mm-hmm. And what I didn't appreciate when I made this declaration, "Hey, I'm going to turn 45 and have the best year of my life," is that I wouldn't necessarily get to dictate the conditions through which my best would present itself. And I started that time, that window, the declaration, in the desert for three days with no technology. I eliminated technology Mm -hmm. altogether, Mm -hmm. and I just, with a notebook, sat on a rock and wrote for about an hour at a time for five or six hours each day. Mm -hmm. And the beautiful thing that would happen is for the first 20 minutes of any of those individual sessions, I was usually writing things that were... In my consciousness, the, the to-do list, the thing I was hoping to accomplish, whatever it might be. But about 20 minutes in, all of a sudden, the subconscious thoughts would start to appear on the page. Hmm. And when I was able then to stick with the writing for the you know the next 40 or so minutes, man, there was so much beauty that was now revealing itself in the things I had not yet totally created closure with, or that I had not yet totally processed in the pursuit for understanding why I'm here and what I'm meant to do with the gifts that have been given. Mm-hmm. And so now, you know, coming out of, that, out of that window, I did get to cast a vision for the kind of view I was hoping for. As it turned out, man, there was, uh, in the disillusion of my 16-year marriage, there were so many more things that I had to process. Mm. But the great news was having established journaling as a thing that was important in helping bring forward the emotions that I was feeling, mm. I now had a tool at my disposal that every single day I would start my morning outside on this patio that I dubbed my patio of peace. I would start the morning in prayer with a journal and would just free flow, let the words come forward so that I could honor the grief or the sadness or the fear or whatever it was Hmm. in a way that allowed me to make a relationship with it and ask it a better set of questions as to why it existed so that I could not push it away, but actually in that relationship, figure out how I might make something of its presence Uh, and and, Mm -hmm, in understanding mm -hmm. why it was there, maybe understand a little bit more about where I was meant to head or how I was meant to grow because of it existing.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's a lot in there I want to kind of dig in and I appreciate the thoroughness. I think one of the things is like what initially caught me was like you So you said was it 3 days that you went kind of into the wilderness for 5 or 6 hours. What what was that experience like cuz I mean for yourself you're in a in kind of in a city environment and so I don't know for me when when friends ask me to go even on a one day camping trip I am very hesitant. I'm like, "Oh, we're going to stay in an Airbnb or you know, uh, do, do we have things planned out for the whole day and it's like um, but I just kind of want to hear a little bit about what that what that was like for you.
1: Well, it was interesting. I actually write about this in the book. As yeah. I I drove to the airport to take this trip on a mission to get to know myself better and to understand what I like, which maybe sounds crazy, but somehow in the midst of being a husband and a father. And an executive or a leader in a company, I kind of lost a little bit of who I was outside of the definition of who I was to someone else. And I'm driving to the airport and a beachy song came on. (laughs) And there was something about this song Hmm. that had me crying, like just like I couldn't control it, crying. And the tears were a reflection of this worry that I might go looking for myself and find that there wasn't much there. And the decision Mm -hmm. to go and do this, it was three days in like the desert outside of Tucson. Mm -hmm. Um, it, It scared me, to be honest, to be alone in my thoughts because the world runs at such a pace that unless we deliberately create that time, we can be distracted all the time from having to really deal with the things that we're actually feeling or the things that maybe you're sitting dormant inside of us that are keeping us from being our best selves or or loving ourselves the way that we'd hope to love ourselves when we are you know in our feelings by ourselves. and so uh, I definitely had some anxiety when I first started and I also to be honest I I thought there was um, some woo-woo in all of it like the idea that I might go and journal felt odd but Mm -hmm. then I did it and it absolutely 100% like whatever skepticism may have existed was just turned on its head by it actually working and in the work it allowed me to draw somewhat of a map of the things that i would need to do in order to be the man i'd hope to be i i I came back with this idea of if then like Mm -hmm. if i say i want to be this kind of a father, then I need to do these kind of things. If I say, I want to be this kind of a friend, then I need to do these, this kind of things. And that, that pursuit of integrity of having the vision for who I'd hope to be and the actions of my everyday align when I was able to create that alignment, that's when I felt the best about myself when I was by myself, but it wasn't until I was on a rock in the middle of nowhere that I went backwards for five years to try and find every time I didn't feel great about myself when I was by myself. And that Mm. consistent variable was dissonance. It was where Hmm. I knew I wanted to be a certain way or that God had created me to be a certain way. And I wasn't acting consistently in a way that drew that attention to light. And so my mission ended up becoming how can I create alignment, integrity, between who I was created to be and how I'd have to show up every day to make that version of myself show up and so that like that experience outside of the noise outside of the busyness of mm-hmm. the distractions mm-hmm. of life was only available the clarity only came because of an ability to pause and and allow that to become present
0: mm-hmm. That's really fascinating. I um, this is really interesting because actually this morning I was just reading on looking in Exodus in the Old Testament and in the the people the people of Israel were kind of in slavery in Egypt and they wanted to go into the wilderness but they the Pharaoh would not let them um, and so there's like this almost like this and it seems so weird of like this desire to want to be I kind of alone or in this place of like, yeah, which seems like it would be more challenging and then haven't got there yet. But we know like what, while they're in the wilderness, they want to come back to the same kind of traps that have trapped them, so to speak. Um, so I, I, I'm wondering where like how did your kind of faith come in in during this time? Um, and I, I guess kind of in, as you're writing the book as well and starting to kind of process some of these bigger things in life. Um, coming kind of at a lot coming at you at once and so just kind of how, you were, how your faith kind of what were some of the things that were going on at that time?
1: Yeah, oh, so, two, so two things. I mean, the, the first point and it was one of the first things I wrote in the book was this line in the rush to return to normal let's use this time to be really deliberate about what parts of normal are worth rushing back to. And so part of what comes in the freedom of being completely disrupted, right? Like Hmm. my identity, my ego, my sense of normalcy, so many things were disrupted that I, in the book, refer to all of these examples of people that you admire and their admiration comes in part because of the way that they persevered through challenges. But I, among the people that I referenced some contemporary business types I also referenced Lazarus, like who literally had to die in order to be brought back to life. And Mm -hmm, the question mm -hmm, that it sparked for me in the midst of this hardest season of my life was which parts of me have to die so that I might be brought back to life. And what the answer ended up being, right? Like my identity as a husband, my sense of normalcy, my vision for the future, the comfort that I may have had and the way things used to feel and look, but in that death, uh, and hmm. man, you get to grieve those things and they're hard to have to let go of, there's freedom. Mm-hmm. Because from those ashes came an ability for me to also paint a picture of how I might choose to rebuild the vision of what my future looked like and how I might honor the intention of my creator in having put me on this planet for these mm-hmm. good reasons. And, and so um, to to the question of like, how did my faith play a role? Like, Mm -hmm. I, I don't know that you even have faith until your faith is tested, right? Like it's, it's easy to say that you believe it's easy to say that you have a relationship with God when things are going well, Mm -hmm. but when your world falls apart, when things are hard, when you're going through struggle. And if you're listening to this, of course, like struggle is part of the human condition you struggle, I struggle, we struggle every day, but in intense struggle, there's there's a a, a, a verse in James, you know, drawn near to God, and He'll draw near to you, right? Like I felt so close to God in the experience of things that had previously been part of my normal going away, because of needing to and clinging to this as one of the few constants that I knew I could depend on, irrespective yeah. of what the future might end up holding, and so. Um, you know, for me, it became about routine, right? Like I had to create a routine that was going to every single day engineer me showing up as best I could for myself and my family. Mm -hmm. And that routine included time in conversation with God, a lot of time in nature, (laughs) where Mm -hmm. uh, I was Mm -hmm. at the end of a run, sitting on a rock at this one great place about 15 miles from my house. Every day, I, I ran the same path In the middle of nature, I felt connected to the, you know, just all of it. Mm -hmm. And then I sat on a rock and I just opened hands, had a conversation with God, like, come make me make me feel something connected to you in the midst of not feeling connected to much else. And I did. And it Mm -hmm. was it was a wonderful, beautiful thing. But one of the other Mm -hmm. things that I really stayed focused on was my health generally, right? Mm -hmm. But holistic health to me was defined by my physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, and relational health. And so I asked a question of like, okay, I can't think now when things got completely upside down in five-year vision. (laughs) I could think in like 90-day vision. Who do I hope to be 90 days from now as I'm trying to rebuild what my future looks like? I've been handed this blank piece of paper, It was equal parts terrifying and exhilarating. And I could, in trying to stay connected to the exhilarating pieces, only do so much when it came to my health to get me from where I was to 90 days in the future. And when it came to my spiritual health, I made a list of here are the things that I need. I need to stay in close, regular connection with God. I need to be in community with people who can remind me of my truth on the days when I might doubt it. I need like I just I made a list of the things that I needed, yeah. and then yeah. developed in the calendar or in my daily routines the times to really sit in community, either by myself or with other people who could be that uh, reassuring voice and that connecting tissue, that was the, just a huge difference maker in mm-hmm. being able to traverse what was the hardest thing into what ultimately became one of the best years because of the kind of growth that could come in. Mm. The, the struggle and the, and
0: yeah. the, and the upside down yeah. I, I became right side up yeah I, I think one of the, the kind of the silver linings the beautiful things of some pain and suffering too is that I think it allows us to draw near toward God and draw in that presence and um, I, when I ask I think when we ask people or at least people I've spoken to of like the closest times that you've been connected to the creator it's been in suffering moments and it's like it's so crazy how that works but um, I, you know, I do pray and I hope that for these people and for, for many, this is a time of like actual change too, of like, okay, like things that were of the past, that the things that you, some areas like, uh, you know, we have to repent of, or some areas we have to change course on and some areas like, actually, you know, this is a big part of me that I haven't been, I don't think I've really been stepping into. And it's, it's a, it's an act of faith to actually step out and to, to, to do this and, and, and live for, I think what is ahead of me rather than things that perhaps weren't in my best interest or weren't in God's best interest. Ultimately. And I do think you know, too,
1: you, you have to, when it comes to faith, you have to believe that you will be given the sustenance that you are needing. When you find yourself in struggle, you just have to believe that it will show up. And there was a part of my, my faith in some ways was the belief that people I needed or the voices I needed or reassurance I needed would show up on the days when I needed reassuring the most. And I, in the book chronicle a couple of, of really pivotal miracles truly in my life in that my pastor every single day for the first eight weeks of my divorce sent the exact same text every single day, 11 words, what small piece of sadness can I hold for you today? What small piece of sadness can I hold for you today? He sent it every day. And it was just this reminder Hmm. that I did not have to shoulder the grief alone. He wasn't saying that he could make it go away, but he was saying, I'm walking with you, man, I'm here. Hmm. and, Hmm. And I feel empathetically with you. And I wanna try and handhold you through the valley so that you can get to the top of the peak. I had a stranger that I had never, ever met in my entire life. A guy named Jared, who started sending me a daily prayer every day around November of 2019. And at the time I thought, oh, this is just like, what a nice thing. Like, what a nice thing that this person who follows... Uh, on 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 Instagram or Facebook that he's gonna send me a, a prayer that's so nice. Mm-hmm, and what mm-hmm. I realized is that there were six months of seeding this faithful person sending me a daily prayer that would precede me mm-hmm. needing prayer more than I'd ever needed it in my life. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. what happened is, you know, hey, he'd been sending prayers of I hope you have, you know, peace or guidance mm-hmm. or that your you know work will affect people in a positive way. Yeah. And it transitioned into I'm also walking through this relationship transition with you, and it was, yeah. what beauty, you know, beauty. But like friendships that started, or people who moved into my neighborhood, like all of these things. I don't doubt for one second that they were ordainedly mm-hmm. placed inside of my life at exactly the time that they were needed. And part of you know anyone who's going through struggle, you have to yeah. believe that those things will show up. And then when you start looking for them, you'll see them.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's really interesting that I've experienced similar things too. And I know people have of like these moments of suffering and then like all of a sudden it's like you realize who is behind you and who has been praying for you and who has been like, you know, you sometimes you, you yeah, you really get this visceral, like tangible presence of like, wow, like look at what that, look at what that, what just happened right there. Like yeah. how, how, like how did that happen? And I was watching, um, Chronicles of Narnia the other night actually and like seeing how like yeah, it's just like it kind of matters where you look too. And like I think I don't remember the exact moment, but like um, one of the characters had looked over and saw Aslan, who is the is the lion. And then like everybody else was like, and she's like, look, like don't you see it? Don't you see it? And everyone's like, no, like we don't we don't see we we really don't. And, and I I just think it kind of goes back to that uniquely designed. Thing for you but also like it's matter like you know you see certain things that really matter for you in that moment that some people might not appreciate or not understand but like carry you through and I think it's just it's beautiful when those happen and you and you remember those and I think that's the call to remembrance of like all right now 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 this is happening but remember that time when and then it is like wow and it helps build that foundation and so I just, I I like to hear it. Yeah. If
1: someone who's listening doesn't do a daily gratitude practice, I would really encourage you to start your day making a list of the five to 10 things that you can be grateful for from the day prior. Because it primes you to start your day with a trigger to be on the lookout for the things that you're going to have to write down the following morning. Hmm. So my coffee takes about eight minutes to brew. I use that time to write down the things I'm grateful for. And when I now start my day knowing that I have to be on the hunt for things to be on the lookout for, I am scanning, whether it's conscious or unconscious, all day long for things that I can be grateful for. And the thing Mm -hmm. is, if you go looking for things to be grateful for, you're gonna find them. In the same way that if you started your day deciding that, oh, it's gonna be a hard day, it's gonna be, you'll find evidence of that as well. And so whether it's with respect to faith or presence of God or things to be grateful for, whatever you go looking for you will find Mm -hmm. but it 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 requires some intention you have to be intentional about being on that hunt so you can Mm -hmm. actually see the things that already Mm -hmm.
0: exist no absolutely i i I also echo that encouragement as well it's been super super important for my life as and many other others who i've connected with um just kind of as we kind of move forward and and kind of start to, to close out just wanted to know yeah, I, I guess where or what what advice do you have for people? Anything that maybe you meant that you mentioned in the book or want to kind of prime readers on that we haven't discussed today that might be useful for helping to identify your calling? Um, yeah, for people who you know are in places where they feel like they're stuck, feel like they're in a place of a moment of real uh, of real grief or loss or any kind of these negative type emotions that are long long lasting.
1: Yeah, I mean. I wrote a book about courage and acknowledge in the very, very beginning of the book, in a letter to the reader, that I have probably identified with fear more than any other single emotion in my lifetime. And I and I acknowledge it up front because becoming courageous doesn't necessarily mean that you don't have fear. It means that you feel emboldened to move forward anyway, hmm. despite your fear. Mm-hmm. And a, a big reason why people feel stuck is that they have given over power to their fear in a way that has them negotiating with that intention of their creator instead of deciding to arm themselves with the courage, the community, the resources to face their fear head on. And so the first thing I, or the biggest thing I think I would you know, argue for someone who's feeling stuck is make a relationship with your fear really get into a conversation with and understand what it is that currently has you believing that this is just as good as it gets, Mm -hmm. that you aren't qualified or capable to handle whatever it might be that's on the other side of your fear. I've described in the book that we live in this safe harbor. We do so because it is surrounded on all sides like a moat by our fear. And there is no drawbridge. There's no way to getting to learning. There's no way to getting to growth unless you decide to cross that moat. That and it starts with actually understanding what it is that's holding you back, what's hmm. keeping you from believing that you were put here for purpose, that the creator of heaven and earth had a plan, that there was deliberate intentional design And honoring that intention is why we're here. But there's only one way to honor it. That's to face the things that currently have you storytelling, keeping you from actually Mm. doing it. So make a relationship with your fear, understand what it is, what kind of resources you'd need to actually step toward it, and then take Mm. that first step and another one. And what you're going to realize is most of what we're afraid of isn't real. (laughs) And those things that are real there are ways for us to be prepared and move forward in a way that protects us from the possibility of that Mm -hmm. worst case scenario
0: happening. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Well, Dave, I mean, thanks so much for your time and just for sharing a little bit about what's been on your heart and what you've kind of been working on um, over this, uh, these past months, year now, and, um, and just excited for the, this, again, this next season, where can we stay up to date with, uh, with all that you're doing and just kind of, yeah, tune into, to to the book and, and what you're up to.
1: Well, I have a website. It's MrDaveHollis.com. If uh, you feel interested at all in buying the book, uh, there's a place for you to pre-order the book there. And when you do, you immediately get jumped into this 13 weeks of coaching. We're doing this challenge in real time called 90 Days of Courage. It is totally free. You get a couple of great e-courses, one about finding your why and one about Mm -hmm. resilient mindset. Uh, Mm -hmm. But if you head over to Mm MrDaveHollis.com, everything's there. And uh, if you want to follow me on social... Mr. Dave Hollis is where I'm Mm -hmm. at on Instagram or Dave Hollis on Facebook. But Mm -hmm. um, there you go. I I appreciate Tyler so much for you Mm -hmm. uh, letting me Mm -hmm. introduce myself to your audience. And I loved getting to have this chat. So thank you so much, man. Mm
0: -hmm. No, thank you. Thank you.